I love this child and hope the documentary accurately depicts his heartbreaking struggle. I scoff at his haters who call him a snitch and the bandwagon leapers who have no clue what is real because I know none of them could walk a mile in his shoes. And the prisons are chock full of fools who cross oceans for trash that wouldn't even cross mud puddles for you. Loyalty should be reserved for family and few proven worthy to be called friend. But this latest tech generation is confused, manipulated, and lost. So quick are you to leap into the bandwagon of hate for a rare soul that has found peace, love, and blessings to Danny Hernandez and his mom and his siblings. God is good all the time. Cuídate, mijo. Que Dios te bendiga. Wow. <laughs> I mean, like, I, like nothing, this nothing comment. could have prepared me. Nothing could have prepared me for the depth, the passion, the, 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 the vehemence of this, of this random deadline comment. I, I mean, God damn. Like he, I say what you want about Takashi. He's got some prayer warriors. Yo, I just, it stood out to me. I was reading this. I was like, this person really just, I mean, damn. Wow. Like, I mean, got a snap. That's incredible. Yeah. I mean, you, (laughs) you outdid yourself, whoever you are. (laughs) There's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with a personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Listeners, welcome. This is Sound Only. I'm Justin Charity. And I'm Micah Peters. We're your sound only co-host here to record our deepest, darkest thoughts about Takashi Six Nine. We're specifically talking about the new documentary, the Hulu documentary, Six Nine Sixty Nine, the saga of Danny Hernandez, directed by Vikram Gandhi, which dropped a surprise documentary drop, which is <laughs> um, a, su- <laughs> a surprise documentary drop that. Uh... You know, I, I mean, like, you know, unlike most things that pop up in the featured tile of the new street of your streaming service of choice, I knew absolutely nothing about it beforehand. I hadn't yeah. opened any articles. Yeah. Like I ran into it, uh, via, you know, exasperated tweets from some people that I know that were saying things such as started the six, nine documentary 35 seconds in already regret it. <laughs> and the like Uh, but I mean like I I gotta tell you like the documentary was actually fairly entertaining you know despite my shall we say reticence over the years (laughs) to write about Takashi 69 I was gonna say can we like introduce can we just sort of introduce Takashi 69 first of all before we get into the doc yeah sure so Hmm. Actually, you know, he's a dickhead. The That's the introduction. A, he's this dickhead kid. He's a rapper. <laughs> he's an absolute dickhead, but yeah. the most apt description probably comes from a joke that was featured in the documentary, which is that like after you fight all of the SoundCloud rappers, you have yeah. to fight this guy. Yeah, like, the final you know, boss. The, the, the final boss. Yeah. But you know, the documentary also does a good job of explaining the weird cultural space that he exists in, which, because I mean, like, he wasn't on SoundCloud. He's a, he's the, like, the, like, a, I guess, the er SoundCloud rapper or whatever. Yeah. I guess, like, it's what the, the documentary positions as, but he wasn't, like, he didn't come up through SoundCloud. It was primarily through YouTube. In fact, there's a f- hilarious line in there where he's just kind of like, my music trash, my video's fire. <laughs> yeah, when he's first linking with the the nine trade bloods in New York, he's sort of one of the guys recalls that Takashi 69 was just like, yeah, this guy was just sort of a 
character more than he was any sort of rapper or musician. And that's like, that's sort of the characterization we'll engage with this episode, the whole idea of Takashi being a troll and like how entertaining is being a troll exactly. Um, but let's talk yeah. about the documentary first, right? Like whatever one's reluctance and reticence about Takashi 6ix9ine as a character are actually was kind of happy to just like sit back and watch this documentary because he has this narrative that is so social media intensive and like to put together the pieces of who Takashi is over the years you really have to be following a lot of internet shit that you probably are better off not paying too much attention to in the moment. So a documentary sort of collected my thoughts a bit. Yes. Right? It's <laughs> like, it's, it's, it is, I think the, although it's like, you know, I would, I, I think have said to a, a format editor verbatim that I would rather chew my leg off than write about <laughs> the new Takashi single. Yeah. Like, I mean, having it all collected in one place and actually having someone else make sense of it for me was, I mean, like, you know, they sifted through all of the endless, like, you know, shade room, complex, <laughs> slum box, like, just like all of like these, like, IG live comments, IG live rips on YouTube. The documentary has pulls from a lot of different places on the internet because i mean like you have to literally be the internet to understand the takashi story like you know in any meaningful detail yeah there's like a forensics quality of the documentary where you're just trying to again part of his story seems simple enough right like he's this kid from bushwick brooklyn and he like sort of jumps around musical styles he's like a young kid his family is not you know his family's got a lot of drama he doesn't know his um what you need to functionally know is that like the documentary posits a lot of things that you know uh think pieces about takashi positive which is that like you know the absence of a father figure maybe he was searching it out and you know the wrong areas of his life but also does take note not to excuse him for all of his bullshit because i like the scene where like i like the the straight to the camera interview where his uh his baby mother is just kind of like, yeah, you know what? I'm not really trying to hear all that because, yes, you yeah. know, <laughs> yeah. but she goes, you know, because you should want better for your kids. Like, I'm not trying to hear, you know, he had it so hard. So this maybe that's why he's like this. It's just like you should want to break the cycle. Yo, yeah, what she says break the cycle toward the end. But even before she works up to that point, like his, his baby mom's is so her whole tone throughout the whole doc is going, um, nah. Nah, 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 nah. And also, like, it's <laughs> it's, it's so also great. great that like the guy in the first collective, yeah, uh, that he was in, yeah, like stops in the middle because, like, you know, it's very like the tone of the documentary is very serious because there are like a lot of death-defying stunts in it, to be honest, like you know, and a lot of thorny conversations to be had, but like. It's hilarious to have all this deep for like for internet forensic stuff and like this suspenseful, pensive, like electronic music. And they sit down, this guy in the chair, and he's just kind of like, yo, to the best of my knowledge, Scum Gang is one person. Like, <laughs> yeah. you got a hundred thousand dollars worth of video equipment right there, interviewing me about something that didn't even really exist. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And it's like his... But that's the whole thing with Takashi's origins, right? Is that they're so... Like, one thing this... the One thing the doc reminded me of is when I first saw Takashi online, it reminded me of the... Like, I remember seeing the memes on Twitter way... Like, way... Well, way back in the day, as far as anything is way back in the day on Twitter of the the pussy eater merch. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right? It yeah, was like before yeah. before Takashi's hair was colored, when he just looked like... And I think before we even sort of realized he's like Mexican, right? It's sort of like this white kid wearing like a black fit that looks totally awful and just has like outsized like pussy on the front of the shirt, eater on the shorts. Basically, just, like... like Even that... Dirtbag shit. Is if you're like, if you... Like if you remember... And it, it, I thought about this because, like, throughout, and I wish I could remember the guy's name, but like the 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 rapper from the original class, I think his name was Ills or something. Illa maybe was wearing this Yankee fitted that had like a Mishka eyeball like mm -hmm. uh, stitched on the side, and I was just like, oh, like Mishka black scale Karma Loop, and I was just like, you know what that old 
shit with all yeah. the like it looks yeah. like really like shit that like knockoff black scale that people would somebody would sell to you like outside on the street on a blanket maybe yeah 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 uh but it's just that that feels so far removed from like the the sort of aesthetics or whatever you want to call it that Takashi grew into that I it feels like that is like all prologue and so the documentary did sort of the first half hour I was just like oh shit I honestly totally forgot about this entire phase of having to know who this guy is um and before I even knew his name right like so many people had those viral photos of him wearing those ridiculous outfits before I think you knew that you were supposed to think of this guy as a rapper and not just like a kid who got photographed and blown up as like a meme yeah, I mean, because the 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 story of uh Takashi 69 is one of like rampant self-invention. Like so it's of course there are like several iterations that you probably forgot about. There's like also a point in the in the documentary where they're talking about it's you know tangential to all of the irresponsible slash like illegal stuff that he does on social media. But he's just like, yeah, I've had like five, six Instagrams at this point. Like, I like I don't really know how many. I can't keep track, so on and so forth, because he keeps getting banned and and swipe and scrubbing it, and so on and so forth. Yeah, and by like stuff on social media, we're talking about like Takashi is a guy who's like filming sex on Instagram, including sex with minors. You know what I mean? Like, it's, yes, it's it's more than just like, oh, he like did some trivial. Stuff yeah that, you know what i mean it's like it's you know it was stuff that was like legitimately shocking at the time um like before again before before people really had like context for who takashi was or what he was about but then you then you left also the sort of documentary apart from you know we can talk more about his his sort of brand right his brand of sort of provoc provocative trolling vulgarian whatever you want to get into the sort of post eminem shock jock stuff he does you know it's, it's sort of like i thought the other thing that was interesting about the documentary is that it caught the sense in which like takashi's music feels like uh an afterthought right it feels it honestly the way the documentary frames takashi's musical style reminds me a lot of um like early asap mob in a weird way where it just like was so apparent that the music was so entirely beside the point of what anybody was thinking when they launched this rap career mm -hmm. um you sort of seemed surprised when you were saying like both the director and like his baby moms don't really let the documentary sort of get too credulous about Takashi. Yeah. and i do feel like that's a th like even what you were saying earlier right that sense of people who are who are sort of had some trepidation going into the documentary um it does feel notable that this documentary, I don't know, it seems like it's not that sparing. It's not that sort of flattering. Which, and, I, and again, I think it's like there's something that I feel pre-programmed to expect a documentary getting made about Takashi 69 to be a kind of like, this guy is a genius of our generation. I don't know why that was what I, I was sort of felt pre-programmed to expect from the because, existence. Because... And, you know, also the documentary makes concession to this towards the end is that honestly, a documentary of six, nine is a bit of a concession to like his means of building fame and star power. It's just kind of like at the end, he's just kind of like, I want to be able to say that this is I'm telling you some sort of cautionary tale about, you know, getting lost in you know uh, like or like you know just looking to attach lost yourself in the to sauce. Stuff where, yeah yeah getting lost <laughs> in the sauce like he's just like i wish i could tell you that this is like some sort of cautionary tale and that i didn't just get sucked into the same thing that literally everyone else has been doing uh since the mid 2010s whenever it was the first came out like it's just kind of like I, I I think that maybe maybe I did get trolled like and made this whole documentary not for anything and it wasn't illuminating at all. But that's not entirely true because we did have some takeaways. Well, yeah, and it's like the cautionary tale in this case, you know, for the record, is like Takashi is this this young rapper, he, like gets caught up at one point 
having sex with the minor on social, like recorded on social media, gets caught up with a bunch of gang shit that he has no one, you know, no business being involved with and that he just gets wrapped up with to sort of, you know, to propel and advance his career. It blows up in his face when he sort of starts like having these like cross loyalties in his group. And he, you know, <laughs> at one point, <laughs> um, the nine trade bloods, you know, like one of the guys that he's with constantly kidnaps him and this is recorded and you've got, you know, an informant embedded in Takashi's group and you've got this, I remember when I first watched this on social media, the video of Takashi 6ix9ine being kidnapped and, and whimpering while he's in it this like death-defying car ride. How it is, you honestly forget how insane the story is until you're yeah. watching the documentary again. It's like, it's, it's honestly, it's like a, it's it's like an Edgar Wright movie. It just keeps getting weirder and weirder towards the end. Yeah. And it's a story that's like so insane in macro, like in the fullness of time, but it's just kind of like, how much could you learn from reflecting on it? Really? I mean, like how much of a cautionary tale could be drawn from it? Because it just seemed like he was stumbling over himself into higher and richer echelons of fame until it blew up in his face. Right, totally. Um, Takashi 6 9 getting kidnapped and his kidnapping being recorded extensively on tape and then also being in a highly publicized court trial where he, you know, where he dimes out all of his affiliates. Like, that's... In retrospect, of course, that's how the Takashi story ended. Ended, yeah, parentheses, just- question mark, you know. You know, you wanted to be in the game and then you got to, you know, it's just like, not only did you miss the shot, but the ball like rebounded off of the rim and went into the opposing team's basket and your shorts fell down. Like that is the extent of which gangster rap did not work out for Takashi 6 Right. But he has this personality that's so outsized that at every step where it feels like he's face planning. He's like, nah, 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 this is part of it. Nah, 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 let's run yeah, with that. You know, yep, so it's this yeah, escalation. Yeah, it just yeah, feels yeah. like every single beat in the guy's story is an escalation, including the beats where he's like already spun in the air and like exploded off road, right? He's still <laughs> like, nah, 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 this is part of the narrative that I'm building. And so again, it's like a documentary approach to it is like a, a way more sort of organized <laughs> and sensible way of trying, of just following the basic story of this you know, this very weird kid from Bushwick becoming this totally disingenuous, outsized gangster rapper compared to if you had followed it in real time. When you followed it in real time, it just seemed so wild. Yeah, you follow it in real time. It's like an insane, an impossible like video game car crash that somehow he flings himself out at the last second and survives. For sure. But yeah, let's talk about his music but also his his deal. Let's talk about his deal. What's this guy's deal? There's one thing, there's only one thing I fear in life. No, two things. I'm not going to I fear God mm-hmm. and I fear the FBI. <laughs> <laughs> only two things I'm scared of in life. Mm-hmm. God first and the FBI. Micah, I have like a half-assed qualified defense of Takashi's music. And we'll start with the music because there's not that much to say about his music. But Takashi's music is this very harsh, loud, brash, like kind of thoughtless. But who, you know, who among us isn't kind of thoughtless when we're in the gym? Like, I don't know. I, um... COVID is hard to do this, but like I box, right? And like the perfect, you know, the perfect venue for Takashi music if is if you're in like a sort of if you're in a boxing gym. Like, you know what I mean? That is the that sure. is the one kind of venue, right? When you're on a heavy mm-hmm. bag, if you're in a gym that that's blasting Takashi, you can live with that. Otherwise, I don't really care that much. Not an album artist, as they say, you know? Uh, kind of a lot, kind of a lot, and not a lot there at the same time, because he's got he's got like a, a lot of sort of force to how he uses his voice and the kind of beats he raps over. But it gets it gets sort of old really quickly, is what I would say about Takashi's music. 
it is music that I often think a lot about the like the silent dance party quality of it. Like, you know, when they're when you when you'll see like behind the scenes, uh behind the scenes videos of like, you know, club scenes and movies and everybody's dancing, but they can't like actually play music because like it would mess up the audio of the recording. So like people just have to vibe. <laughs> Yeah, it's just kind yeah. of like I always think about like what it must be like to like hear a soundless scene. This is like see a soundless scene of like a Takashi video, just because it's just like a lot of aggressive movement and like chaos, right? Signifying nothing. It's it's and the music is the exact same way. And the thing is that like while you're saying that, while you you know, while there may be some sort of venomous quality of music that makes it extra good for hitting for striking the heavy bag and whatnot like there's literally without looking 500 other rappers that do a better job of that yeah because i was gonna in say brooklyn we, alone like in brooklyn, in brooklyn alone, alone. Yeah. yeah but it's funny too because even when you say chaos right like a word like that in the context of rap music in the context of a lot of you know youth-oriented music but certainly rap music you say chaos that actually sounds like you're giving takashi credit uh, and you know, on on some limited measure, I might give him credit for the sort of chaotic so, like. Sound. I mean, like, I, that's not what I meant to do. I mean that no, chaos I'm, is the goal. Like, it's the it aim <laughs> yeah. of what the music is. Yeah, but it's like it's. I don't know. With Takashi, it's kind of funny because there's both some level of effective, genuine chaos to how he sort of presents himself on records, but then the other part of Takashi feels like it's chaotic to a fault, right? It feels, or not even to a fault. It's just like, this is somebody doing an impersonation of chaos more than it feels like chaos itself. Like he's just, I don't know. He's so, uh, I don't, I don't know, man. Like it's, it's a, it's a controlled chaos in, on the music, even though I think it's a lot more actually genuinely dangerously chaotic as a public persona. I do think Takashi's songs are sort of, you know, they're chaotic in an uninteresting way. Is maybe what I'd say. Does that sound right? Am I am I full of paradoxes trying to describe this guy? Is that well, just a testament to I, how I fascinating he is? I, you know, I think that that's literally <laughs> testament to how fascinating he is. Wow, do you hear? It's yourself? like branded like, it's chaos. Like, it's it's it branded is, chaos. You know, he's yes, such a brand. You know, is the problem. You know, okay. you know yeah. what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna pull you up on what you said when we were talking about Lil Yachty. Like, yeah. Uh, yeah. a couple of years ago when it was just kind of like you, you said, wow, I feel like we're going to re repeat a couple of the notes of this argument because you said that you didn't like Yachty because he's whimsical in A&R's idea of whimsical. Like if you were going to be like a, like a freewheeling rainbow haired colored rapper then like your fantastical world would obviously have clouds that were made of cotton candy and you know you it would be it would look it would it look like candyland honestly that's like yeah. what the branded like that is and that is an unimaginative view of imaginative in the same way that like takashi is like an unimaginative view of like chaotic like right right but i mean honestly like my argument then was that the, that that rap was big and weird enough to hold Lil Yachty, whether or not you thought that it sounded like he shotgun a jar of Skippy before he started rapping. Like you know, right. whether or not you liked it, rap was big enough to contain it. And the thing the thing is that it's the same with Takashi, which is like the place of acceptance I got to because it's just like you know, I don't like Takashi's music. <laughs> <laughs> I don't Say like Takashi's music. I don't I, I mean like I don't like his music. I don't like the way that like he approaches uh the game in a in a bad faith way and that you know like all eyeballs are good eyeballs like you know the most sinister view of cloud available. But the thing is is that if you are a prepossessing human, you are not allowed to have anything but a complicated relationship to rap music. So Oh, absolutely. Correct. What I'm saying is that while I don't like Takashi and like, you know, it's I'm already surprised I've been talking about him for like 45 minutes. 
like rap is big and grotesque enough to contain Takashi Six Nine because it's big and grotesque enough to contain KRS One and Africa Bambata. Like, there's things that you don't like, and you wish that like because like rap is like your your relationship to rap is personal, and you want rap to be like cool. And there's no room for uncool things. You, what it is is that you want rap to be like you think it's the coolest thing in the world when you're younger and what your definition of cool is is whatever it is that you are you know catching off of your older siblings or seeing on tv or have coming out of the radio and as you grow to learn more about it your version of cool you know expands to include people who aren't like homophobic or like assaultive or like morally reprehensible so it's like a ever expanding point, but like, yeah, it is sort of like a going back and forth and growing in and out of it. It's one thing that this guy has like a kind of irritating musical style and it is what it is. He himself, like, you know, he himself says my, my music trash, but my video fire, right? It's really mm -hmm. about the stuff that gets slathered on top of Takashi, right? And the, the stuff that's more interesting about him is basically that he's a troll, right? And to sort of explain a bit, like Takashi 69's outlook on trolling. Like, this is a guy who sort of during his, you know, it's like Gummo and beyond, right? Like, Gummo's when he starts beefing with Trippy Red. There's one point I know in the documentary, they show him like talking shit about Ludacris and Snoop Dogg on Instagram. <laughs> um, and then the zenith of this is Takashi 69's beef with Chief Keef. Um, mm -hmm. and this involves Takashi and Chief Keef alternatively in New York and Chicago, threatening shootouts and sort of menacing blocks. And Takashi, I remember him like doing these Instagram videos where he's walking around like, oh, nobody's laying a hand on me. What's going on here? You know, it's like all these fights that Takashi goes out of his way to pick with rappers in this way that this might seem like it's weird. If you put it in historical perspective, it seems like well, we watched 50 Cent do this. We watched Eminem do this. But in the moment, it did feel with Takashi genuinely kind of breathtaking. And there's something about it that felt new and genuinely like alarming. Because I guess the difference, right? If you let's set Eminem aside for a second, right? 50 Cent did this, right? 50 Cent, How to Rob, you know, 50 Cent had all of these, these weird beefs that he clearly was sort of ed egging on to sort of build his brand. Right. Mm -hmm. And to be like, I'm kind of a troll. Mm -hmm. I get under your skin. I'm kind of an asshole. But the difference is 50 Cent is built like 50 Cent. So you you know what I mean? Like the guy got <laughs> yeah, shot nine times, survived. Well, like, yeah, yeah, it's well, it's very. Yeah, exactly. It's 50, 50 Cent is 50 Cent. And right. I know that we did set aside the Eminem stuff, but I mean, like, you know. There was more than just like the 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 um source magazine image of like of 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 Slim Shady in you know splatterproof clothing, like holding a chainsaw or whatever. He might have did that on the weekends. You didn't know. Like it was it was. Uh, but I mean, like it's just like this is just noise, really. Right. Fifty Cent is built like Fifty Cent. And so you look at him and that shit is cool because it's like, well, 50 Cent, you know, I wish somebody would step to 50 Cent. Takashi, meanwhile, he pulls the same stuff that 50 does that, you know, all the 50 Cent antics we're familiar with. But Takashi weighs like 90 pounds and looks like he's probably going to die within the next four. Like whenever you watch an Instagram video, you, you know what I mean? Like in the moment, I just remember feeling like somebody's going to shoot this kid and he is, is going to be more than nine times and he's not going to come back from it. Okay. I think is the thing. That's what made Takashi feel like a genuinely like, no, really though, what is this kid's deal situation? That that he did not look like a kid who could fight back. Who you know what I mean? He looked like a kid who was picking all of these fights, like he really wanted to die. And people thought that was hot. I mean, yeah. I, I think that there's just a lot of stuff in well, actually. The way that this is told in the documentary is through a series of tattoo artists and graffiti artists. Um, other people that like, you know, know what it's like to 
be broke in the context of just not having enough money in your pocket to pay for what it should, you know, X next meal, right? But this one tattoo artist is being like, I told him, like, you know, the policy with 17 year olds is I'm not putting no tattoos on your face or anything that might affect your future. And he's just like, listen, you don't understand. I'm going to be a rapper if it kills me. Like, it's like, this is, that's a, that's like a, th- a point that they continually drive home. It's just that the thing, why, like, you know, his uh, trolling feels so turbocharged and like propulsive and all this other stuff is just as like, there's nothing else. He's just like, no matter what, we're not going back to be broke is like, re- is, uh, you know, a refrain like in this documentary. Totally. earlier parts yeah yeah and that, the the whole idea like i'm glad you brought the tattoo artists up right because that's that is such a i mean it's why they're central in the doc right but you know it was one thing when gucci had the face tats you know what i mean like that was a sort of quirk of gucci like you know what i mean when art like when rappers when black rappers i should say before takashi you know started showing up with the face tats right that was that still felt like a different thing to me because it felt like that had i don't know i think of someone like gucci or wayne and those things maybe they're a part of the image of how you think like when you think of lil wayne's face or gucci's face like even though it's part of the sort of public image of them it felt more like a sort of there's some personal story but there's some public story to why these rappers look the way they do whereas Takashi was always transparent about the idea that like everything he was doing, he was doing it for clout. He was doing it because he knew that if he got that tattoo on his face and it took up, you know, three quarters the size of his face, people are going to look at him on Instagram and be like, what, what is this kid's problem? Yeah. I mean, he's a joker. He's just a joker. It's just joker energy. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I mean every everything from you know having six nine tatted on himself over two hundred times to the rainbow hair, uh, to the clothing with like all the provocative statements on it. To I'm probably saying like you know him being a Spanish dude that says nigga like is yeah. like just you know we're it's gonna be something that somebody has to talk about like. It's actually a very funny moment in the documentary where one of the dudes from Treyway is just like the like the the documentary Gandhi asks him like, yeah, so how do you feel about you know when you see Takashi in the foreground of all these music videos like you know with a bunch of black people and he's just like saying nigga a bunch of times he's just like look man you're gonna have to ask her like all them other types of questions <laughs> i'm just here to give you like some backstory and stuff yeah he like i don't want to talk about that it's funny too because they're talking about like think about the context for that too is like chanel and that guy that like the psycho billy they're talking about gang shit <laughs> and the director asked yeah but what do you think about this mexican kid saying nigga he's like listen man listen man we ain't all, all these all personal that. questions <laughs> Yeah, I like. But the thing is that, like, I I, I kept thinking about that. But, like, it, this is like an honest story about about that, or it's just kind yeah. of like whether or not you can, whether or not you can say nigga is just kind of like, do you feel safe doing it outside? Like, there really is. This, it's not whether or not you can say it. It's just like whether you. It's it's the wrong question. It's just like there. You have to take into account all the context and the fallout, like the potential so- fallout. But that's the thing that's surprising about him too, because it's like it's the movie really hammers home that um as much as okay, so that's Takashi's public persona, right? It's sort of that mm-hmm. envelope pushing. But then at the same time, there are always all of these hints in this old footage of Takashi that he's not actually built like that in real life. Like when he's you know what I mean? When he's not in full on presenting before an audience rap mode everyone everyone around him everyone they sort of bring into the doc who's like i've worked with him at this point they're all like yeah he's a quiet articulate kid you know what yeah, I mean? or, yeah like, or, or otherwise like just kind of goofy and like a little brother you know it's it's like yeah. they're not like he's like kurt cobain in real life you know what i mean it's like they, they yeah. even like i remember they're talking about the um the bodega in bushwick where the one guy who who's like earliest in the documentary, they're talking about when when Takashi works at the bodega and he's behind the corner. He's like, yeah, the, you know, he's just like smiling all the time and chatting people up when they walked in. It's like that's what feels 
again, that's what's so at odds. Like, it would be one thing if this guy... I feel like normally with this sort of shtick that Takashi does, you'd be talking about somebody who's a kind of provocateur in their sort of normal life and then turns to rap or turns to, you know, this sort of A-tier entertainment as a sort of, like, heightened realization of that kind of element of their persona. And it just feels so weird that that element of his persona feels totally absent from his real life whenever anybody is called to sort of account for what Takashi is like in real life. Yeah. Um, I mean, it feels very modern in that way, where it's just kind of like I... He... Uh, there, in, in many ways, uh, Daniel Hernandez was just a person, like, like, a, like a dude with that like rap music and had an internet connection. But, I mean... Yeah, I think that like it's the the people that are that that are that that are brought in to round out the character to give him like you know human color, reveal him to be a dickhead, but not necessarily a destructive one. Like, just you know, absent-minded, which in time becomes destructive. <laughs> Actually, the 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 moment when they attempt to. I mean, the moment when they get around to the part where he's rehabbing his image, like from the point from like the trial to when he gets out is like I bursted out laughing during the documentary because it's just such a key change. Because I think like the last found footage they have is him like waving around automatic weapons and then his hair's up in a bun and he's doing like make a wish visits like at the pediatric oncology clinic. Right. Yeah. The sort of clash between his real life and his persona is just uncanny watching the trial. And I, I don't know. I I assumed at the time, like, again, Twitter followed the, the trial really closely. And it just seemed like, okay, well, this guy is a snitch. And this guy is in too deep. This guy is probably going to go into witness protection uh, with all those tattoos on his face. Ha, ha, ha. You know what I mean? That's sort of what the general tenor around the trial was. And I've never seen a more profound break of a celebrity's personality than during that trial. Um, and that's what makes it even weirder that it's like, okay, he gets, you know, he gets through that trial. He mostly gets sentenced with like time served. He does a few more months. COVID intervenes. He gets released. And then like Takashi comes out and he's back to making music videos like, immediately. You know what I mean? And he's back to sort of he's he's kind of tweeting through it. Like that's the Takashi way, right? Is that even after all of this, even after his own gang affiliates kidnapped him, even after he's sort of been on the stand kind of embarrassing himself by his cooperation, right, with law enforcement during this trial, even that he comes out of jail and is like, "Okay, how can I spin this into me being the bad guy. You know what I mean? It's like, now I'm a bad guy because I'm a snitch. And actually, that's cool because that makes me a villain among villains, you know? Yeah. It's like cosmic brain villainry with this guy. Uh, yeah. I mean, like, it's kind of using continual unforgivable fuck-ups as evidence of invincibility. Like, yeah. I mean... Every time you, you know, see a video, a video, a screen capture video off of Instagram, it's him saying like, I can't be stopped and then pouring champagne on his head and like, you know, with two other people around, <laughs> you know, it's, it's very, it's, it's, it's in the documentary also makes a point of like, uh, literalizing this. It seems like a very lonely existence because <laughs> it's like, like you said, he's straddling these two things in a very weird and distancing sort of way. Yeah, the the I would say the loneliest. Um, this is both in the doc and just sort of following Takashi. The loneliest he ever looks is when he's on social media, surrounded by other people. Because you know, all those people are just sort of, you know, they're there because this guy this guy sort of has the spotlight and it's like there was always that vibe in those videos even again before we watched we watched like and heard footage of Takashi being kidnapped and driven around 
Brooklyn in a hell ride, right? It's like you always had this sense when he's taunting Chief Keef or something that he's surrounded by people who would turn you on him don't in, a re- minute. Like, in a they minute. Like it's always yeah. like it's like you expect him to be stabbed in the middle of a video. Yeah. Half of the jokes that come out when those videos like, you know, make their way onto the interwebs is just kind of like stuff about it looking like a hostage situation. It's just yeah. like, you know, it's just like you can think of like a very real scenario where he like showed up and like now can't leave with that little dog that he has in his lap. Like, cause you hung out too long where you yeah. weren't supposed to be. <laughs> yeah. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. It's funny too. Cause like the, that's the other thing about his baby bombs being the documentary is, um, I think one of the best moments is when it's like right after funk flex plays gummo on the radio and there's this, they have this, um, the documentary pulls this Instagram video of Takashi talking all this shit and, you know, like, yeah, we gotta go number one, blah, blah, blah. And then they cut to his baby mom. He's like, look at the video. You see he's crying, right? <laughs> it's like every moment, every, and, and it's so, it's so profound. They cut back to the video and you're like, yeah, he has a tear in his eye. And it's like, once he sort of starts spiraling into that stick, mm-hmm. that shtick, and once he's sort of doing all of this, like taunting Chief Keef, doing, you know, hanging with all these bloods like you're always looking for that you're looking for the tear in his eye as he's surrounded by all these people that you know what i mean it's just like that you are not about this life like yeah his driver being like uh like one time when he you know came to pick him up a couple of blocks away from where there was a shootout where they were doing something right yeah. and like he was obviously on on instagram live immediately after talking about you know niggas started shooting blah boom boom blah blah blah, blah. and like you know it's doing his whole takashi thing but then the driver like they go like slam cut to the driver talking about yeah you, you know i don't know his voice sounded kind of shaky to me. Like that sounded yeah. like nervous laughter. <laughs> yeah, you see the one guy in that video, like you know, sort of slap his hand on Takashi's shoulder, and it's totally that scene. Uh, yeah, and he like he like flinches a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, but the thing is that like it's just you know, I think the documentary is kind of credulous in that you know he is a kid from the internet out of his depth. But like also just kind of like, you know, the rest of us just stop at, you know, buying an offensive T-shirt online. And (laughs) he went all the way. I looked at the computer, the computer said, Floyd said, fuck T.I., fuck Nelly, fuck 50. I'm like, what do you say fuck me for? Nelly fucked your first baby mama, Melissa, then took your fucking fiance. Say fuck that nigga. This is a special A-S-L-E-L-S challenge for you, Floyd. If you can read one full page of a Harry Potter book, nigga, I'll give 750000 to whatever charitable organization you want to. Fuck the bucket of ice, man. I had a phone call from my man, Jimmy Kimmel. Jimmy said if Floyd accepts the challenge, that he'll put it on the actual show. So you can read it on the show. We don't want to put pressure on you. We know you can't pronounce those words in that Harry Potter book, so we're going to let you read Cat in the Hat. Micah, I think like the effectiveness though, right, of Takashi is obviously the fact that hip hop itself is overrun with white kids who are out of their depths in exactly the same way. You know what I mean? Or like non-black people. I don't know. He, Takashi very effectively in a way that's sometimes hard to talk about, but it's not going to be hard to talk about for us today. um, He does represent that idea of of like, I want to be clear. Hip hop has diverse origins. It is both a black art form and also an art form that has lots of contributions from Puerto Rican. You know what I mean? Like it's it New York. is it's the New York, most right? egalitarian art form, right? Takashi, however, does represent a sort of um, upheaval, right? Like he is the sort of overly familiar, non-white, shouting nigga is kind of like not really about the life that he is very desperate to sort of to pantomime, right? And I do think it's kind of fascinating that I think a lot of people who grew up on 50 Cent and loved 50 Cent and loved not just the music of 50 Cent, <laughs> but the trolling ethos of 50 Cent. I knew you were going to start talking you about You know what I mean? And it's like 50 is literally, like 50 basically is the paternity, you know, I, if you took a paternity test, like 50 is the father. 
of Takashi. <laughs> More than Eminem. 56, you are the father of Takashi 69. And yet I think the same people who get why 50 Cent works, Takashi's a little lost on them. You know what I mean? And I'm curious about why that is. So I can't honestly give you an answer as to why generally that is the case, but I can speak to it personally as like a rap fan that does not fuck with Takashi's music or, you know, anything Takashi, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, is um, the fact that we were talking about earlier is that like, yes, for one, 50 Cent looks like 50 Cent and is 50 Cent. Like, so he can, you know, wear gun holsters on his album covers and do all this other stuff and be ridiculous. And also 50 Cent is funny. Like that's that the, is, yo, that's the underrated that, thing. That is, that is the underrated very, thing. Yeah, He's actually yeah. hilarious. Like yeah. in all of his shortcomings, 50 Cent is hilarious. Um, Takashi is not. There's also like the needling thing of the fact that, you know, like he is a non-black person that says nigga. That's like a, something that is going to be tough for <laughs> me to ever get over. It's the proverbial no for yeah, me, dog. It's a yeah. proverbial no for me, dog. And I mean, like, honestly, the larger thing that we're talking about here is that your relationship to... I hate, like, going this big picture about it, but your relationship to music is personal. Like, you are not, like, as a prepossessing human allowed to have anything other than a complicated relationship to rap music. Yeah. But like, you know, when you first encounter it, it is whatever um, you catch leaking out of your older siblings room or out of the radio or uh, out of the TV. And like your image of it expands, the more of it you listen to and the more you live in the world and what your idea of cool, like does and does not include evolves and hopefully it evolves not to include uh, people that have committed statutory rape or statutory rape apologists but the thing is that like rap has always been big and strange and grotesque enough to contain that because there's KRS one in Africa and Vimbada just like there's Akashi 69 but I mean what it is fundamentally is the thing that you were talking about before which is that he like he's just a disruptive presence. It's not generative in any way. It's just like I'm here to fuck shit up, and then what are you gonna do? And then leave. Like that's that's the whole plan. <laughs> yeah, and I guess I guess the thing that makes it feel look again the, the natural reference points are you know at least for our sake right from Fifty Cent Eminem, and you I guess when you talk about generative, you know that's a polite way of saying listen Fifty had hits. <laughs> There and Eminem go. had hits in in a way that's not even like Takashi got some hits. Fifty yeah. had hits, and Eminem could rap. And you are being overly generous when you say that Takashi has hits to me. But to, yeah, I was gonna say to you. You look at them YouTube views. I, I understand that they performed on YouTube and your little Billboard charts and your little Spotify viral single, whatever. Totally. I'm just saying, I disagree. I mean, you disagree. I don't know who you disagree with. I don't even know if I disagree with there's you. No, but there's I, literally I, no, there's no one to, there's, there's no one to disagree with. I'm disagreeing with this person I made up that apparently is not on this podcast that enjoys Takashi 69's music. Well, no. It, okay. But the way I'd maybe put it is the thing that is legitimately challenging for me from a critical perspective to mm -hmm. entertain is as much as I enjoy, like, the first mixtape I own with 50 Cent is Future. You know what I mean? Sure. I think I picked it up. I was, I think it was like a trip to New York. And I remember I bought it in mm -hmm. Chinatown or something. And the thing that can be hard to wrap your mind around, right, is I can hear and I can watch the videos from Takashi for the first time and be like, dog, I'm too old for this shit. Like, get out of here with this. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I've, I've grown out of this. Um, but I think a lot of the time, I think that happens with rappers, you know, a lot of you know, musicians in general. You know, anything that's sort of aimed at youth, I think there's always this imperative among critics every now and again to talk about... Well, to like, ward growing... the, the youth off of it, basically. No, I don't it... even think it's that. I think that if you're Tipper Gore, there's that. But I think even critics who sort of sympathize with a genre of a thing 
can talk about like growing out of a thing. Like Eminem is the example of that, right? Whereas Eminem is somebody who was subversive in his day and who kind of does a lot. I mean, a lot of the stuff Eminem does now, like late career Eminem feels like it's, you know, it has elements certainly politically uh, and culturally of kind of rehashing provocations from the late nineties, early aughts. And, you know, the way you end up talking about an Eminem, right, is like, well, how come he hasn't grown out of this? I've grown out of this, right? And there's sort of that temptation to not accept that, like, just like people grow out of or ideally grow out of, you know, a lot of the more, like, juvenile elements or whatever of Eminem, people grow into it, too. People, you know, artists find, like, generations of people who are shocked younger than us who are still in a stage of their life where they can hear the provocations of someone like Takashi and go, oh, that's interesting, right? Like they don't have the, they don't have the baggage of like, they don't have the baggage of me where I can just go, listen, dog, I listened to all of those diss tracks between game and 50. It's like, I've been here. Like this is, Takashi's yeah, boring to me, you know? a little bit of, yeah, like it's, it's why, yeah, I, I mean, like, it's honestly, it's I've like, I have not written about it for the same way. It's just like, I literally like, cause I, I can't approach it from a place of like, you know, anything other than why. Yeah, but, why? Can you but can you explain that? Because I think there really is a palpable difference between. I think as like as critics, right? People are, are are confronted all the time with artists that they're less than hot on, right? Sure, and they could go, sure. oh man, I don't Absolutely. like this. Like if I if I write about this, I'm gonna pan it, I'm gonna nug it. And it's what you're describing about Takashi is different. What you're describing about Takashi, what and I'm I felt it about Triple X too, about Triple X and Tashion, yes. is the sense that it's it goes beyond that. And it goes to a place of like, I swear to God, I would rather jump out of a moving car than write about this. And I where does that come from? That it comes from a place of thinking about the way that I write about like I think okay this is what happens before I'm just kind of like I absolutely cannot do this is that I think yeah. about the way that I actually approach things critically the way that I tend to write about them and like and I really do think about in this case like what the reaction is going to be to it because if it's like honestly they're like X's fans were like are as intense as he was like Takashi's fans are as intense as like you know he tends to be online like so it's like you have to walk a very tight rope of like you know finding something to praise in this but also being you know having the requisite amount of contempt and also being able to explain where this person fits into something culturally and you have to do it in a concise fashion because people might close the window a hundred words into it because like your lead is like too is like already going in a direction they don't like. It's really like that. Oh, see, and, I worry way less about that, but go on. But I mean, the thing is that like that was I'm saying that like, you know, that is what went into it before I would be like, I'm not I don't want to like, you know. While I'm well, it took me a while to explain that this is a thought process that happens over the course of like two minutes. I'm like, no, absolutely not. Yeah, because it's also just like I, I have to think for a really long time to find something to be interested in. Yeah, yeah, because it's just like I've while yes, this is shocking, and you know, like it's crazy that he managed to make a kid eating a chicken wing in the Shinigami video look menacing. Like, that's, you know, interesting. But then someone like Lil Germ or Milcavelli makes better, like, blown out, like, kind of Hellraiser music than that. And I mean, maybe the music videos aren't there, but who cares? Like, that's not really, I like, I'm not, that's not my context for listening to rap music a lot of the time anyway. Yeah, see, I think of it very differently. This is someone like Takashi. You know, this is actually a case where I think a lot less about the fan culture and stan culture surrounding someone. I don't know that I that Takashi's fans, the idea of there being so, like people being annoying. A, on another the part of it. Another part of it is is that like there is so little 
there there that you have to like assess like there's too many like cultural valence to assess and also like well can, uh, can i speak to that point real quick because yeah, i think yeah, that, yeah, like, yeah. That, that part is it right to me it's like um when there's so little there there but there's a lot of provocation right which is very much not what 50 cent was 50 cent was a lot of provocation but a lot of i, I do think that 50 was doing so many different things like apart from the fact that you can say he had a lot of hits i think his hits did a lot of different things i think he there were commercial arguments there were creative arguments and then there were the arguments about him just as a troll right with takashi mm-hmm. it's sort of the musical proposition of someone like takashi takashi is so thin that you know that in order to write about someone like that in order to have a to have a discourse about Takashi 69, you're basically going to be limited to the realm of like morality play, right? You're sort of limited to this realm where it's yeah. just like, okay, it, you know how sometimes people get annoyed by the idea of like you're writing about a movie or a video game and the angle you pick is about sort of political connotations in the thing. Yes. It's sort of like, I personally think that that can be interesting, right? Like I, I like sometimes engaging with the thing and saying, what are the politics of this thing? And what, you know, not always, but I like doing that sometimes. But Takashi is someone who, because the musical proposition is so thin, you're kind of forced into this, again, this sort of moral hazard conversation that feels like it's kind of wasted on somebody who's being so over the top and so desperate for that kind of coverage. You know what I mean? You feel almost like you're being tricked into writing. You, you feel like the assignment editor is Takashi himself. And yeah. then by writing about him, you're really just sort of working for him and sort of jumping when he says how high. Like, I think that's the thing. No yeah. piece about Takashi feels like it was assigned by your editor. It feels like it was assigned by Takashi 69 in order to advance his... Yeah, it was assigned of, by the media cycle. There's no... Yeah. There's, like, there's, like, it is... Yeah. I think it is one of those things that, like, I... I don't want to participate in it because it's happening whether I'm participating or not for the most part is what it often feels like. Um, but yeah, I think it also, it like, you know, that is really like hitting the nail on the head though. Just like you feel like you're be- like you're being duped the entire time that you're writing it. Right. Which is the note that the documentary ends on. Right. It's funny. First of all, okay. It's just the end of the documentary, right. Ends with um, voiceover from Vikram. And mm-hmm. the movie begins with this. I will say Vikram's voiceover, and God bless him. Like I obviously Vikram gets a lot of participation from people who've worked with Takashi and who know him. He does not get Takashi himself. So in the beginning of the documentary, remember this is a surprise drop documentary. I have very little context for how it's going to be styled and structured. When you first hear the voiceover from Vikram, it feels kind of like, whoa, what the fuck? What is this? It feels very like Sex in the City voiceover. From, you know what I mean? It's <laughs> like, wait, what? I didn't know this is a narrated thing. I thought this was going to be, you know. And you get to the end of this documentary and the conclusions kind of hits blunt the way he says it. But he's just sort of saying like, yeah, man, even this documentary, like I did all this reporting and then I reached, you know, I reached out to Takashi's people and he shows the one email back from his press team. <laughs> who, that's are like, you, who are LOL. you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> who are you? LOL. Four question marks. Yeah. Four and then question it, the next marks. one just says pass. <laughs> <laughs> and, and yeah. And it's like that. He has that feeling we we're talking about where at the end, he's just sort of like, it feels you know, like getting rickrolled by a documentary. Yeah, it does. He's sitting there. <laughs> yeah. and he's like, damn, you know, I have all these like, I, yeah, I chased, oh, I did all this reporting. I told the story of this guy because I thought I was working out my own thoughts about rap music and about celebrity. But honestly, maybe I just got dragged around by this kid and he got the attention he wanted. And that's the only point of any of this. Right. And that's a very hits blood conclusion. But it's also that is the conundrum of talking and writing about Takashi if you don't actually like his music. Yeah, it's like you can you have the option of either getting incredibly academic and granular about it or just being like, fuck this shit. I'm going to listen to Busy Banks. <laughs> yeah, you're like, hell no. Nah. Like, yeah, yeah. It's like, it, yes, I'm gonna go listen to some Denzel Curry. I don't I don't you know what I mean? Like, yeah, that 
again, like you said up top, like there is that kind of chaos that Takashi's music represents that I think has like 500 better forms in the form of other rappers. But yeah, Takashi is just such a potent dose of provocations that are just kind of wasted on me personally. Um, obviously, we ask, you know, listeners, send us your own thoughts, your own provocations about Takashi. Based on what I've surmised about listeners of our pod so far based on email responses right i feel like this is an episode where actually people will agree with us for the most part about takashi like i don't i don't think we're about to be inundated with people who are like whoa whoa i love this podcast until you guys talked all this cash shit about takashi 69 hold the fucking phone um but email us anyway we could talk about takashi if you want you can talk about something else but do email us sound only pod at gmail.com I'm Justin Charity and I'm Mike Peters we'll see y'all next week